some fell right down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right Hey, Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Story Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Paul And their dog Ninja Hey guys, it's Jerry from Hillbilly Horror Stories. You know we always try to turn you guys on to the best paranormal podcasts out there. With that said, do you like stories of the strange, the weird, and the unexplained? Then we want you to check out Jim Harold's Campfire. It's definitely one of the best paranormal podcasts out there, and it's on the top of my favorites list. What makes it so great? It's that the concept is pretty simple. Jim just talks to regular people like you and me. They talk about all the strange stuff that happens to them for 90 minutes every week. He doesn't exaggerate or play a lot of spooky music. The stories speak for themselves. These stories cover everything from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and some head scratchers. For example, there's a story involving serial killer Ted Bundy. There's also a story about an alien abduction that may have been by a reptilian. And there's one young man who encountered an eight-legged demon. That's right, an eight-legged demon. Now, not all these stories are horrifying. Some are heartwarming, like a visit from a past loved one or a peaceful near-death experience, perhaps. I was lucky enough to share my heartwarming story about two bikers who delivered a message to me from my passed-on mother. These stories are true and fascinating and told by ordinary people who've had extraordinary experiences. Do me a favor. Listen and follow Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Hey guys, welcome to episode 298 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Tracy, we have a fun show lined up tonight and we're giving away a t-shirt later. Yay. So we had 20 people send in reviews. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys so much for that. We would do one of those random number generators. We'll do it live. Okay. In the same part where we usually mention the uh, Patreons and stuff, we will uh, set the random number generator up, and you've numbered each one of them. Yes, I have. So when you read off all the people who left review, you will also read off their number, and then they'll know when they win or not. Yay! How cool is that? That's cool. Obviously, we want to thank all of our men and women, our military and civil servants. Thanks for everything you guys do for us every single day. Oh my gosh, you guys are our angels. We pray for you guys so hard. Thank you for keeping us safe and watching over us. We love y'all so much, and we hope you guys can come back home soon. Right. Even though not everybody's gone. Well, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I know. It's just a lot of civil servants and stuff are, are like police and nurses. You know, and, and that like is that. so true. That's so true. But, you know, just come home at the end of your shift. Yeah. Enjoy now, your family. Now come home at the end of your shift. Yeah. Well, I guess that's technically still yeah. flies. We want to thank everybody in our group, because we mention every single week, that if you need help, if you're struggling with uh, uh, some type of depression or just something going on in your life and you need help, that you can reach out to us or you can reach out to the group. And so many of you do reach out to the group 
and I, I think it it needs to be mentioned how many people in the group go out of uh, above the norm to help people who are struggling in the group. That is so true. You guys are just a true blessing to everybody, and we are so blessed to know you guys and so thankful for what you do every day for us and for others that need to talk. Now, we've done a really, and I say we, I mean, we have nine uh, admins mm-hmm. on that group, admins, moderators, that, and, and, and just so people know, because somebody actually brought this up to us the other day, um, but we have nine admins on the show, which means they have access to everything in the group. Where moderators don't have access to everything. They got access to some things. But we give our our admins have the same access that Tracy and I have to the group. They mm-hmm. can make changes that they need to or whatever. But, and we did that for a reason. We want them to be able, uh, if they see something that needs to be fixed, to fix it and not have to wait on one of us. If it happens yeah. at 4 o'clock in the morning and we're asleep, Natasha m- might be awake looking at something in Australia and can fix it. Mm-hmm. That's why we do it that way. That's how important it is to us to fix situations um, and you have, luckily we haven't had this in months, but occasionally somebody say, Hey, I'm struggling. And somebody want to be a smart ass and say something, you know, like, well, why are you posting your problems? That never happens in our group. No, it don't because we put a stop to it. And every one of our nine admins know that that is zero tolerance. When you join the group, you have to, you have to say, uh, one of the questions asked is, is, are you going to be supportive of people and not be critical of their comments? And uh, that's why we were 5,500 strong of people who are willing to help. And that's extremely hard to do. But I'm proud of the fact that we don't have occurrences like that ever. Yeah, you guys are doing a really great job. And we appreciate y'all so much. So, All right. Tracy, if they don't want to use the group or they don't want to contact us, how can they get some other help? You can call the hotline at 1-800-273-8255. You can also text at 741-741, and they always pick up pretty quick and always answer back on text, and that's what I've heard from several people. Yes, absolutely. All right, Tracy, we've talked about cursed objects, and we've talked about cursed places. Of those places, we've even had a state park, such as the Curse of Bodie, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Tonight... We are going to discuss a national park, the Petrified Forest National Park, to be exact. Well, I mean, it's got the right name for it. Yes, because there's petrified rocks (laughs) and petrified wood. (laughs) All right. Much like Bodie, there's said to be a curse on this park. And many have taken rocks and pieces of petrified wood from the park only to regret it later. So we'll get into much more of the details about that a little bit later. We have Annie Weeble on the the show a little bit after this story. Awesome. Annie Weebs, as she's affectionately known, is the host of Serial Spirits with her significant other. And uh, we are very excited to have them at our birthday bash. We are. At the old hospital. I know. I'm looking so forward to that. The Petrified Forest is an absolutely fascinating place, and that's leaving aside any paranormal aspects to it. The Petrified Forest is in Navajo and Apache counties in northeastern Arizona. Okay. It got its name from the large deposits of petrified wood that are found there. 
The park is huge. Approximately 346 square miles. So yeah, it's, it's big. It's absolutely beautiful with highly eroded and colored badlands. Thus the area's nickname, the Painted Desert. And that was given to them by uh, some travelers that were coming through in the 1800s. Oh, well that's cool. So there's a lot of room for activities there, huh? A lot of room for activities. Awesome. The, uh, the, in fact, the whole northern part of the park extends into the Painted Desert. So Oh, yeah, I, I whole, really like that name. Yeah, the whole part is not the mm-hmm. Painted Desert, but some of it mm-hmm. goes into that area. The area was made a national monument in 1906 and a national park in 1962. And the reason they ended up making it a national monument in 1906 is because people were coming through there and just taking wood and taking, you know, all this stuff, rocks and stuff from it, and they were afraid it was going to damage all the natural beauty and the geological oh. aspect of it, so they mm-hmm. made it a national uh, monument, so people were, it was against the law. Yeah, not stuff. supposed to touch it. The park has a dry, windy climate with highs over 100 degrees in the summer to below freezing in the wintertime. That is amazing how it can do that. Well, it's desert. You know how desert is. So, um, I mean, you said it's dry, so it's not humid at all. No. Oh, well, that's okay. that's a plus. Yeah, but I, it is it is strange that you can have some parts that get mm-hmm. so hot, but then so cold. At yeah, the same definitely. Time. The park's earliest inhabitants arrived at least eight thousand years ago. Oh my god! And some people say it goes back to even eleven thousand years ago, but eight thousand seems to be more of the consensus. Now, about two thousand years ago, there was a growing community, and they started building what they called pit houses. In the area. So I guess they were, mm-hmm. I'm assuming a pit house, I didn't look it up. I'm assuming a pit house is probably more dug into the ground, thus pit. But I mean, that, was, it, yeah. that was the area that's now the park when they were Okay. Doing that. I mean, it's just so weird to think that something was, people were here 11,000 years ago. That's just mind boggling. Right. And later they built above ground buildings, but by 1400 CE, the climate had changed and most people moved away from the area totally because they couldn't stand the heat. I, I I don't know if the if I mean I'm assuming that's probably what it had to be mm-hmm. because it was probably cooler back then, but I don't know. So the petrified forest is primarily known for its petrified wood and fossils. The petrified wood is from trees that lived to get this 225 million years ago. Here's what basically happened. Around 190 million years ago, many of these trees in what is now the park died, okay? But before they could rot, the they were buried in sediment, which is basically just like, sediment is like, if you ever seen like stuff that settles at the bottom of a pond or oh, a lake, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, it's it's dead vegetation and stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. So basically everything around kind of got covered in that. But then the sediment was then covered in volcanic ash. The ashes silica was then dissolved by creeping water and the remains infused into the wood of the trees, transforming the woods into quartz. <laughs> so now all this wood is now basically the same as, as quartz. Yeah. Some of the uh, logs on the site today are so well preserved that you can still see the bark and the growth rings where they have been cut in half or whatever. Mm-hmm. Nature's just a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yep. Now, keep in mind that if you haven't seen the pictures, 
this place is mostly a desert, and there's not really, when you say petrified forest, they're not upstanding trees everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, because when I was a kid and I heard petrified forest, I thought they were like the giant sequoia forest. They were just all trees, but they mm-hmm. were petrified. You mm-hmm. couldn't chop them down. But that's not what it is. Like, it's desert, but there's like remnants of trees and stuff like logs that are like laying around and stuff. And those were what petrified. So there are no, you can look for miles. Miles and not see one tree. There's no actual forest there. (laughs) So anyways. Yeah, they're basically scattered in chunks. But there are plenty of dinosaur and human bones have been discovered here. Now, if you come here, you can visit the Painted Desert Inn, the Rainbow Forest Museum, and ruins of the village Puerco Pueblo. Sounds interesting. Don't take home any rocks or petrified wood, though. You know what? I don't think I would ever do that just because of everything that I've heard. Well, first and foremost, There's it's no illegal. Re- well, I'm sure it is. And, and why take behavior. that chance? And why Why do you want to disturb, you know, the beauty and all that stuff? Right. And that's the second thing, mainly because the park is cursed, or at least supposedly cursed. And people who have taken such items tend to run into a lot of bad luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much so that... Hundreds have brought back or mailed back the items that they took from the park with letters to explain the issues that they ran into, and some of these are pretty disturbing. I mean, it seems like I wouldn't trust just mailing it back. You should have to drive it all the way back and put it where you got it. Right. So we're going to get into some specifics a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot of details that go into this. So the first story we're going to talk about here is the Painted Desert Inn. The inn went through several remodels over the years from the time that it was it was uh, originally constructed. Unfortunately, the inn caught fire in 1953. Marianne Mace, the inn's manager, would tragically die in that fire in 1953. The inn reopened after the uh, needed repairs were done, but its business would rapidly decline. Well, that's a shame. Yeah, it would eventually close in 1963 due to the lack of business. Now, in 1976, part of the structure was reopened as a traveler center. Well, I mean, I was going to say, was there anything else around that except for those three things or whatever? No, it's all, and it's nothing was close enough for one thing to catch the other. And actually, I'm surprised. Well, when we get into details about the fire, it's really not that surprising. Um, but the structure is made, you know, like you would see all the the rounded corners and stuff yeah. like you would see in in. Um, I just wondered how Southwest. much kind of business they would have. I mean, travelers coming through because just, it's the main yeah, basically the yeah, there. and then there was really nothing else to see, I guess. So right over the years, the main building of the of the uh, Painted Desert Inn was remodeled and was opened as a museum in the 1990s, mm-hmm. which is now the uh, Rainbow Museum. Okay. Throughout the years, and even continues today, guests and employees have experienced some activity in the building, such as disembodied voices and footsteps, but more importantly, an apparition that seems to match the look of Marion Mace, the former manager of the Painted Desert Inn. They also report the smell of cigarette smoke. Marion was a known chain smoker. That's funny that as I started writing this episode, Tracy, mm-hmm. 
I didn't know much about the park or the Painted Desert Inn, of course. But I quickly learned that today, April 9th, as I'm writing the story, was the anniversary of Marion Mace's death. Get out of here! Yep, it happened April 9th, 1953. Well, what a coincidence. Yeah, I mean, just this happens so many times that as I start <laughs> writing a story, something odd pops in, one of these little synchronicities. Yeah. But... So, I mean, was she the only one there, I guess, when the fire broke out? When the fire broke out, it was nighttime, and uh, she was the only one there. And after the fire started, a park ranger actually broke down the locked door. He crawled on his hands and knees into the smoke-filled building. He found uh, Marion Mace lying unconscious in her bedroom. Okay, so she lived there. Yes. Okay, okay. So he carried her outside, and he laid her on the lawn. Then he went back in to try to put out the fire. What's his heart? He was able to put out the flames with a fire extinguisher. He then went back out to check on Miss Mace to find that she had died from smoke inhalation. Aww. Now, I mean, this is, how, how weird is that? She smoked like a freight train when then she died of smoke inhalation. Well, it could be more to it than you realize. Oh. It was never actually determined what started the fire, but it did start in the manager's bedroom, and the assumption was that it that was a cigarette. cigarette that started yeah. it. So. Mm-hmm. Smoking is dangerous, kids. It is. Now, there's a ranger, Rita Garcia. She said in an interview with the National Park Traveler that she loved the Painted Desert Inn. And this was back uh, in 2012 when this article was written. And at that time, she had been a ranger for 11 years. Ranger Garcia said that she was proud to point out that only 2,500 buildings are on the National Register of Historic Landmarks, and the Painted Desert Inn was one of those buildings. Oh, I would have thought, thought there had been more than 2,500. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it seems like I've run into places in Louisville, all kinds of places that are oh, tons. You know, historic landmarks mm-hmm. and all, so that are actually listed with the little uh, plaque that they put on them. Yeah, very beautiful places, so, too. So I'm thinking if that's just in that one place, I know several, there's got to be more than 2,500 across the country. but And, and I'm sure there is now because this was back in 2012. 12, right. So... 10 years. And she said she also doesn't care that it may be haunted. Good for her. She said that old buildings talk, they shift, Mm -hmm. they creak, they moan, and you hear these things. That's right. That's what's part of the beauty of it. One day she was working on the main level and she heard somebody coming up the stairs from the tap room, which was below the main building. And she said it was footsteps on stone. So it's unmistakable Mm -hmm. what you hear. But when she looked up, to wait and see who it was, there was nobody there. Other employees have heard whispered conversations coming from unoccupied rooms. Some think it's the spirit of Marion Mace. And I want to point this out to you. When I mentioned earlier, you said the fire didn't spread and all that. Mm-hmm. The building looks like most of it's made out of stone. You know, <laughs> so I mean, just from the outside, it's not. It doesn't look like it's made out of something that would catch on burn fire. very yeah. easily. And I, I think that's probably, like, she talked about the steps were stone. Mm-hmm. So my guess is there's a lot of stone in that building. That's probably why it was contained to her bedroom. Gotcha. So. One night after locking up, a different park ranger. She looked back through the windows, and she saw somebody in the museum walking from one room to the other. So obviously, the ranger assumed that someone was accidentally locked in the building. So she went to unlock the doors. She stepped inside and immediately smelled cigarette smoke. The ranger was actually a little bit pissed off. Because she's like, not only is someone locked in a government building, but they had the nerve to be smoking in the museum. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. After the ranger went from room to room, she realized that that she was the only one in the building. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, Mary. We talked about the ruined village of Puerco Pueblo. Is there any activity there? Why do I always ask myself these questions? I don't know. I got you sitting right here. I know. I'm not Jim Gaffigan. (laughs) I know that because I've seen my bank account. I'm not Jim Gaffigan. Behind, that is so true. <laughs> behind Puerco Pueblo is a boulder. There's an enigmatic spiral etched into this boulder. Every summer solstice, as the sun comes up, a shaft of light moves across the top and down the side of the boulder, and at exactly 9 a.m., the beam of light hits the center of the spiral. Oh, that's cool. The purpose of this ancient solar calendar is completely unclear. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. So let's get to the curse of the petrified forest. Inside the Park Visitor Center, there is an exhibit display and a few examples of what the National Park Service calls conscience letters. Since the 1940s, about 10 packages of petrified wood are mailed to the Park Service each week. Most contain anonymous letters telling of the numerous misfortunes that have taken place by people who have taken an item from the park. Some have even detailed maps showing where they could replace the artifact. <laughs> wow. Now. How in the world they remember that? I don't know. It's probably a good time to mention that there are piles of these quote-unquote returned rocks outside of the museum because once a rock or a piece of wood is taken, it cannot be replaced because it would be out of scientific context. You mean they can't take it back? They just have to leave it in a pile? They just put it in a pile. Moving rocks can affect the value of the geographic studies that are ongoing in the park. Okay, so what about the people that touch the rock and put it in a pile? It's not so much that. It's it's if they're Let's say that they're... Research in an area. Let's say it's an acre. I'm just Mm -hmm. making a figure up. And everything in that acre maybe came from an exact time period or whatever. If you take a rock that might be 300 years older or a million Mm -hmm. years younger and you just throw it out there, now it's out of place and it could screw up the whole... If they're trying to research that and then they come across this rock that's 300 years older than the other stuff, then well, they, that could make them think, okay, well, and it could head them in the wrong direction research-wise. Well, how in the heck would anybody even know that? I mean, like the person because that took it. The, well, the person wouldn't, right. but that's why they can't just put it back, because they could be putting it back in a section that's completely off from a timeline from when the other stuff geographically was created. But what about the people that have to take the rock that they got back in the mail and they put it in a pile, will they be cursed? No. Will they have bad things happen to them? No, because they didn't take it. Oh. So just the person that actually takes it, moves it from the property, not the person that just puts their hands on it. Right. Basically. Right. Okay. That was completely off from what we were talking about. I know. Wasn't it though? just completely went in a different direction. I know, but I was just curious. I didn't know if they got cursed or whatever. You never know. No. Shoot. Inside the Rainbow Museum is a large piece of petrified wood sitting on a bench. The display is called 
Mystery of the Conscience Wood. It was returned by a man who said that he had stolen it 66 years ago. How about that? Wait, he had it 66 years and then returned and returned it? That's what I don't understand. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it meant that he returned it after having it for 66 years ago or if the exhibit was from 66 years ago. Oh, Because he could have returned it three weeks later, but it was from 66 years ago when he did it. But what's the point of that? If you waited 66 years, I mean, who cares by then? I don't know. Maybe he was married for 55 of those years and (laughs) figured that was the problem. Oh, that's the route you had to go, huh? Right beside this this exhibit is a three-ring binder. Has over 1,200 pages of guilt-ridden letters. The oldest is from 1935. Whoa, that would be cool to see. Several of these letters describe tragedies such as divorce, terminal illness, car wrecks, deaths of family members, and financial ruin. Oh, that's terrible. All are blamed on the theft of a rock or piece of wood from the park. Like the curse of the Hope Diamond and the curse of King Tut, supposedly... Anybody who possesses stolen petrified wood from the park are doomed to have bad luck. And this goes back even to the days of the Native Americans. The Navajo believed that anyone who so much touched the frozen wood, as they called it, it would lead to a deadly curse. Now, they believed that the petrified wood was actually the bones of the fiercest sky people. They believed the leader of these sky people to be the mighty Yitzo. And disturbing his remains was just asking for death. He was a sky people? What's a sky people? Well, the Native Americans, that's why a lot of this UFO talk say it goes back to the Native Americans, because the Native Americans believe that there were people in the sky, like gods. Oh, okay. So, like, you know, some people will say, oh, well, God lives in heaven, which is in the sky. mm -hmm. They had sky people, too, like the god of thunder and the god of rain. So, they believed in... Several gods, obviously, but they were all from the sky. That's why some people believe that aliens may be the sky people. So that's a whole different topic for another day. So park rangers feel like that most of the bad luck is just merely coincidence, or they're brought on by the person themselves mm-hmm. out of guilt. You, mm-hmm. know, you think yeah. you're going to have bad luck, so you have bad luck. Mm-hmm. So let's read some of these letters. I didn't, I didn't find any of the really bad ones out there. I know I've read some reports that said some of them are really horrible, detailed about things that went on, but I couldn't find the actual letters myself to read. So these are kind of tame, but one is from Andy, October 26, 1970. Dear manager, I'm sorry I took this. I'm only five years old and I made a bad mistake. (laughs) Five years old. And it was, it was written like a five-year-old. Oh, one of them just said, you were right, exclamation point. Dang. This one was from May 1985. I didn't get dates on all of them, but some of them had dates. To whom it may concern, take these miserable rocks and put them back in the rainbow forest, for they have caused pure havoc in my love life, and Cheryl's too. By the time these rocks reach you, things should be back to normal. If not, I give up. Signed, Dateless and Desperate. <laughs> and blame it on the rocks. This one, you're saying, yeah, love on the rocks. <laughs> Neil Diamond. No, yeah, no. You're right. It's a curse to take wood from the forest. My girlfriend of three years finished with me on the drive home. 
So here's your damn wood back. Like on the the drive home from him taking the wood? Yeah. She was probably bitching him out. Like, you ain't supposed to take that. She just wanted to get out for it, you know, affected her maybe. This one says, believe me, if I would have known the curse went with any of these rocks, I never would have taken these. That's one. This one says, my life has been totally destroyed since we got back from vacation. Please take these so my life will get back to normal. Let me start over again. Forgive me for taking these. Wow. This one says, when we were there, we read letters of many people who had returned wood to you with tales of bad luck, ruined marriages, as well as other stories of misfortune. At first, we did not believe the ramblings of such obviously superstitious people. But upon review of our life and lack of luck that our family members have had in the last 30 years, we have began to wonder if possibly the legend could have some truth to it. So he's had bad luck for 30 years? 30 years. And he's just now catching up to, eh, maybe there was something to it. Well, my gosh. Most of these people caught on within a year or so, I'd say. Right. This one says, I picked up this petrified rock about 13 years ago when I visited the National Park. I came across it today and I decided that I should send it back to you. I'm sorry that I took it and I wish you, uh, I wish you to have it back. P.S. I've had bad luck to me ever since I've had this rock. So here's the deal, though, Tracy. If you go out there to the park, you don't want to take anything, obviously, because it's legal and you could be cursed. But there are also souvenir shops right down the road who do sell petrified wood and are relatively inexpensive. Mm -hmm. So you can go out to the area and get pieces that were actually collected legally. I don't know how what the legal way is, but they say these are legally collected. And, you know. Nothing happens to nobody. Yeah, don't be cheap. Save yourself a curse. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. If You would think the rocks that were sent back, mm -hmm. that they just have in the piles out there. Mm -hmm. that, and they may. I don't know. But I, I would think that they would just let people take those. I mean, they're just in a pile. They're not being used for anything. They're already They've contaminated, already basically. <laughs> yeah, so you think there's no uh, well, I don't know. There could still bad be a, luck power in there? There could still be a curse on it. Yeah. But I, I don't know why legally you couldn't take one of those, because they've already left the park. Well, once. I'm glad you've never been there, because you collect rocks from all over the <laughs> yeah, daggone place. I take rocks and, and wood from wood, almost every I, place we stop. I know, so don't be doing that, because we don't need no bad luck. Mm, yeah, anyways. All right, Tracy, so... That's the story for this week. We're going to be back with the draw for our t-shirt. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be back with Miss uh, Annie Weebs. She's got some cool stories. She actually went and investigated the old hospital on College Hill that we're going to. I know. I'm excited. And she's got some stories about it. Yes. And she's got some, uh, she's got a cool, we'll say Mothman story, even though it's not Mothman himself. It has to do with the TNT bunkers out there. Oh, I know she loves those bunkers. Oh, yeah. So we'll talk to her in just a second. She's a fun interview. All right, Tracy, so you are going to cover the Patreon first. Okay. All right. We had, I'm going to try not to screw up your name, honey. Katerzyna Sasada. I hope I said that right. It's a beautiful name. Robert Strott, 
Perfectly Screwed Podcast, and Benita Power. Thank you guys so much for your support. We appreciate it more than you'll ever know. Um, we also wanted to mention Bailey, her progress from where she was in her wreck. Jerry, I think you know a little bit more about that. Yeah, Bailey O'Brien, she lives down in Jacksonville, uh, Florida area, and she was in a very bad wreck. She's a uh, lovely young lady. We got to meet her and her mother, Jennifer, mm-hmm. at the uh, St. Augustine show yep. that we did. And this accident, uh, the car looked like nobody could have even made it out of it. She had several uh, bones broken. She's had to have several surgeries. And about two weeks ago, she had uh, a surgery on her arm, and that's her last surgery until October, but she's got a long road ahead of her. I still talk to her uh, uh, once or twice a week, and and um, like I said, she's a she's just a beautiful uh, spirit and um, happy go lucky all the time. And and I know her and her mother have really gone through hell in the past uh, four or five months. And uh, we just you know I know she listens every single week, so we just want to let her know that we're thinking about her and we're with her. Yeah, we're still praying for you, beautiful. You'll be coming out of this thing before you know it. So on our iTunes, I guess what I'll do is I'm going to read. We had 20, and I'll put a number beside um, your all's name. Number one is ARP5728. Number two is Mayo Burb. Number three is Rob Magner. Number four is Anna Kemet. Number five is Greg H. And Greg, I want to say we're working on that volume thing, honey. I'm sorry I'm too loud because I know that can be kind of obnoxious. Well, it's not. It's not you being loud. It's just the way I've got it. Yeah. Set. So I can. And we, we're working on that. And we hope this episode is yeah. a lot better than the last couple on Patreon. But thanks for letting us know because if you don't, we don't know those things. Number six is Tiffany Newcomer. Seven is Post Humorous. Eight is Chubby Checker. Nine is Sam Farrell. Ten, Elizabeth Davidson. Eleven is Scott C. Twelve is Kay Cummins. Thirteen is S and JC. Fourteen is Rabbit Food. Fifteen is Mojo Lobster. 16 is Dusk, 1980. 17, Emily Lee. 18 is Shauna P. 19 is Dwayne F. And 20 is Donna S. Thank you guys so much for your awesome reviews and and for participating in that. It was really fun. Yeah, so what I've done, I've got a random number generator. I put in from 1 to 20, Mm because there's 20, correct? Hit generate number seven. Who's number seven? Oh, post-humorous. Post-humorous. So if you hear this, because we don't know who you actually are, send us uh, an email. He'll, he'll be, I don't even know the name of the damn show. Hillbilly Horror Stories <laughs> at gmail.com. Send us an email with your uh, full name and your mailing address and the size that you need, and uh, we'll get it sent out immediately. I want to do another one. Okay. Let's do another one. All right. Hold on. Let me generate number 11. Scott C. All right, Scott C. So if you hear this, same thing. Uh, Hillbilly Horror Stories at gmail.com. 
Send us full name, mail and address, and the size shirt. Yay! For everybody. So, and maybe we'll start doing this every week. Yeah, I think we should. It's kind of fun. I love doing that. So, thank you guys so much for, like I said, the nice comments. Uh, we did have one that we wanted to address. Yes. Um, pull, can you pull it up so we can actually read it? Because Of course. I want to address this. It's not a negative thing, Mm-mm. but it, once again, if you're going to leave a review and criticize something, you got to be sometimes more specific. Yeah, so we'll know. So we know what you're talking about. Um, okay. This is say this says updating my review. As a whole, I still enjoy the podcast. I would prefer, however, that the politics of any kind stay out of it. I understand that it's your show and you can do and say what you want. And I can I can also choose not to listen. But I have heard a couple of references to a certain political word meant as an insult and I've been turned off ever since. It colors what you do and who you are. I will probably still listen, but I don't look forward to it like I used to. Okay, so that I hurts have, my heart. I have absolutely no clue what they're talking about. Yeah, because so, you, if, so if you're going to go as far as to say a word, be specific and tell us what the word is, because we have no clue what you're talking about. Yeah, because we try very hard not to even talk about politics. I mean, because number one is depressing as hell, and that's just not a part of our platform, not in our group, or anything that we do. So yeah, we have friends that are of every. Far left, far right, in the middle. Politics doesn't concern us in the least. No. Everybody has their own opinion, what they want to do and what they believe in. And that's that's totally fine. I mean, we do not we do not like to talk about that stuff. So honestly, if you could just, you know, send us a message. Yes, yeah, send us a message or an email or something. To let us know what word you're referring to. Because, I mean, I'm not... It could have been something like way back in the day. Well, it's not only that. I I don't want to criticize, but, you know, we live in a society now where some people take things as political that aren't political. I mean, it's all about what offends somebody. And And that is the last thing we want to ever do. It would be offend anybody because we love you guys all so much. And, you know, we've said it a thousand times. We feel so blessed to have you all a part of our family and... We would not do anything intentionally to hurt somebody. So I know I keep cutting Jerry off, but just, you know, please just let us know what it is and come to us about it. And we will we will do our best. We'll go back and if we did say something, we'll go back and fix it. But I don't believe we've ever said anything. Like I said, it must have been way back in the day or something because I Like I said, it could just be something that, you know, some people find offensive that we never would have thought was offensive. Yeah. So please let us know, hon, so we can get that taken care of. You know, I'll say this, and and it just goes, and it, it, this is a topic that could be touchy to some people, but, you know, our dog's name is Ninja. And when I think Ninja, and when we named him, when thinking, you know, Martial arts, ninja. That's the only ninja I ever knew. But then I found out... Ninja that, Turtles. Well, still, still <laughs> martial arts. But then I found out that in um, some communities, ninja is actually a slang for a bad term. I had never heard that in my life. Lord, no. Until it was pointed out after the fact, because somebody asked, why did you name your dog ninja? And then I told them, and they, you know, but in some communities, that's a that's a word that, that's not looked at favorably. And... We would have never known that. We would have never thought of that as a, as bad. But in but 
you know, that wouldn't the, the area, um, uh, that wouldn't the, the aspects that we ever thought of. No, we just, I just named him Ninja because I, he came up on us really fast one night. Right. And I was like, hey, he's quick like a ninja or something like that. Yeah, and that's so, the reason we named him. like I said, him. you know, but that that word is offensive to some people and we would have never known that because it was for different reasons. So, yeah. I mean, so I'm saying it could be a situation like that right. where some people, you know, take offense to a certain word that we wouldn't have taken offense to or, or, you know, we use, maybe we use some words different being in the South than somebody in the North would, would use it or somebody in the West Coast would use it. I mean, you know, we don't use rad here. You yeah. Know? But just in please. California, they use rad. I mean, right. I'm, it's just, but. But know. just please know we would never intentionally do anything like that. You guys are the best and. Oh. Yeah, and we're not trying to, uh, you know, politicize anything, and we're definitely not trying to turn somebody off because we don't care what political affiliation. No, you are. we just want you guys to be a part of us because you're all wonderful. But you know, whoever wrote it, you know, please just let us know. You can send Jerry an email or whatever, and you know, so we can talk about it. And I guess apologize if we've done something out of line, but or hell, it maybe just point out something that we just didn't realize. Yeah, something. I mean, I guess I can see your point where we didn't see that before of but. course of course but they still was very nice and gave us three stars and i hope you guys you know i hope you still continue to listen because we don't like to lose anybody at all and uh you know just but I, will let say, us know. I will say this and you know i guess the aggravating part is literally we give out our phone numbers we get we have a group we have email we have a website Anybody at any point in time can write us and say, hey, I have an issue with something you're doing. Why leave it on a review and why be vague instead of being specific? I have no clue when we are so easy to access. Yeah. So, but anyways, we would prefer that if you got a problem with us to do it that way. Right. You know. That's all right. We still love you. Just yes. let us know, hun. But I'm excited for our winners. So we're going to do this again. This was so much fun. And like Jerry said, get in touch with him and we'll get um, the sizes. I guess they're not, they can get to pick out whatever shirt they want, right? It now might what? be a little harder to do it that way, but for the most part, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll, okay. Yeah, we'll just let, let us know and then we'll get those out to you as soon as we can this week. Yeah, we'll talk about it and we'll get it sent to you. It takes about two weeks for them to get there. They're kind of slow. Oh, yeah, but, that's true. Because we don't send them straight from here. It comes from, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, manufacturer. Yeah. So, what do we have next? Miss Annie, beautiful Annie? Annie Weaves. You guys are going to, this This is uh, one of those stories that's going to make you think. It's not provoking. So, mm -hmm. but I think you're going to like it. Yay. And initially, we and we talked about this in the beginning, Annie was going to have a very uh, emotional story for us. But right before we recorded, uh, she said that she decided that it wasn't the right time. Right. And, and we respect uh, so, that yeah, so, so much. So, we changed it up. And luckily, she's got plenty of stuff. Oh, gosh, so. yeah. She's got a lot of stuff to tell for sure. All right. So, all right. We'll listen, uh, listen to Annie and we'll talk to you in a little bit. Hey guys, if you are like me, you never get tired of a good whodunit. Therefore, you're going to love June's journey. What you do is you play as June Parker. Now, she's an amateur detective investigating a series of mysteries. It's full of twists and turns around every corner, as you would expect. You'll put your powers of observation to the test. You're going to put your powers of observation to the test sharpen your sleuthing skills, and revel in the thrill of solving the case. Maybe you're craving a good mystery, or you just kind of need to get away for a while. June's Journey is the perfect game for you. You can just sit back, relax, and let your inner Sherlock escape to the glamorous, roaring 20s. Once there, you'll search for hidden clues to solve mystery after mystery, 
across thousands of vivid scenes. And trust me, you're never going to run out because there are new chapters every week for you to crack. Guys, one of the things that I think you're going to love about this, because it's one of my favorites, is the detail that are put into the scenes of this game. June's Journey has become my go-to at night right before I go to bed. It relaxes me. It puts me in the perfect mood for a good night's rest. And sometimes I use it when I take a break from researching some of these topics that we cover on the show. You get tired of sitting and just researching for several hours in a row and you need to kind of unwind and take a break. And June's Journey is perfect for that. The one thing that I definitely know is that there is a detective in all of us. And you can find your inner detective by downloading June's Journey free today on Apple's App Store or Google Play. Hey guys, I've got Annie Weaves on with us. She is the host of Serial Spirits, along with her uh, significant other, Brendan Shea. Uh, we love having Annie on. She's been a repeat, uh, I guess, I almost said a repeat offender. But that really offender? I knew that was going to be the word coming out of your mouth next. <laughs> <laughs> no, I should say she's been a recurring guest is what I should have said. <laughs> repeat offender is fine. I'll take it either way. Always an honor either way, so. So, Annie, we're going to start off with this. You are going, you and you and Brendan are going to be our uh, guest at the anniversary show we're doing at the uh, old uh, hospital on College Hill in August. You've been there. You guys have already kind of investigated it. So let's let's talk a little bit about that first before we get into some other stuff. We investigated old hospital on College Hill last August with a group of friends, and it was an unforgettable night. Now I grew up like an hour from there. So this is a place that I remember still being a functioning hospital growing up. I had family members who I'm sure were taken there because we lived in that area. They lived in that area. Um, never once in my life thought I would be uh, investigating it as a paranormal investigator. We had a great time there. I'm super excited to take you and Tracy back there to introduce you to the place and, and just share some stories. It's going to be awesome. I know Tanya and Charlie who owned the place, they were both born in that hospital. Isn't it crazy? I mean, everybody, if you're from this area, everybody has a story about the old Williamson Memorial hospital. And so I'm excited to see who shows up there. I've had local friends text me and send me messages and say, I'm really excited about the event that you're doing, Hillbilly Horror Stories. And I'm like, just come down. You'll never, you'll never regret it. It's going to be a good time. How far is that from you? You're in Huntington. Right now, it's about an hour and 15 minutes. It's not far at all. Yeah. Not bad at all. So obviously... You know, I had kind of leaked a little bit on on the show that we were going to have you on as a guest. And I mentioned that we were going to talk about a very emotional subject for you, but we've kind of switched gears a little bit. You've had some reasons where you decided it wasn't good timing to discuss the story that you were going to tell, which I didn't divulge anything other than it had to do with a friend of yours. Right. Um, so, so I'll let people know ahead of time that we've kind of changed gears and we're going to uh, do some different topics tonight just because... Timing is not right for that that subject yet. Some projects are always a work in process, right? And so after doing a, a little more soul searching and some thinking about it and some talking, it'll happen. It will. And I'll be happy to share you with you guys when it does. 
Um, but yeah, we kind of switched gears a little bit last minute. And so actually the story that I'm going to tell you tonight, Jerry, um, is way different than any ghost or paranormal investigation. It's actually about a bizarre high strangeness encounter that I had and something that you've already kind of heard the background about, but this is a new experience that happened. I shared it a few weeks back on Serial Spirits, but I'm hoping to uh, to kind of get it out to some new listeners with Hillbilly Horror Stories and see what people think about it. Awesome. Well, I'm just going to turn the microphone over to you and just let you have at it. Okay. So to tell the story tonight, I have to go back to your live event in Point Pleasant, West Virginia during the Mothman Festival in 2019. You and Tracy were nice enough to invite me down to tell a story about a bizarre encounter that I had at the TNT bunkers just outside of Point Pleasant. I was never a believer in UFOs or extraterrestrial biological entities or EBEs, anything of that nature until I had that experience. And I shared that with you guys in 2019. From that experience, Shay and I started doing a ton of research about UFOs and EBEs and looking into the similarities in these cases. We started with the pretty infamous case in West Virginia of a man named Woodrow Derenberger had an encounter outside of Parkersburg, West Virginia in the mid-1960s with an EBE that he later called Indrid Cold. Indrid Cold was supposed to have been from a planet called Lanulos. He said, he told Derenberger that he was here um, on a peaceful mission. He wanted to know about the city that was close to them. And he told Derenberger that he would see him in time. So basically that he would see him again. Derenberger claims that that's exactly what happened. Over the course of a number of years, he and his family had meetings with Indrid Cold and Indrid's family. He even claims that Indrid took him to Lanulos at one point. It's a lot of story to tell. But because of the encounter that I had at the bunkers, I felt like there might be some meat to it. And so we did this really deep dive into this research, starting with Darren Berger's story. And hey, kind Annie, of yeah. Not to cut you off, but just for people who aren't familiar with your first experience, can you just kind of give a, uh, a quick once over of what happened to you at the TNT bunkers? Yeah, so 2018 was the first time that I had ever been to the Mothman Festival and the first time I had ever investigated the TNT bunkers. The TNT bunkers are these enormous concrete igloo-shaped uh, fixtures just outside of Point Pleasant that were used during World, World War II to store um, armaments. And so they were owned by the government and according to the people in Point Pleasant who had these Mothman sightings, they thought that's where Mothman originated from, that he was a government experiment, that something happened during World War II, it went awry, and this enormous winged creature came from that, right? So I was there investigating the bunkers with Shay and some other friends, and towards the end of the evening, 
um, we had a bizarre experience of a woman coming out of the, the woods uh, telling us that she was looking for her granddaughter. Her granddaughter was out there and having a medical emergency. And our friend Toby, who was from Texas, kind of took off with this woman, leaving Shay and I behind in this bunker. And the only way that I could describe it as a paranormal investigator is that I got the bizarre feeling that we weren't alone in this bunker. And so when I turned to the back of the bunker, um, there's a creature there. More humanoid than not human um, with very pale skin, huge blue eyes, bald, no hair, and had this huge smile on his face. It happened almost like in a dreamlike state. I knew that what I was looking at wasn't physically in the bunker with us, but was appearing to me for some reason. And so after watching this being for probably 10 seconds, I turned to say something to Shay. And when I turned back again, he's gone. I waited until we got back to the main road to tell him what I saw. And we both agreed that after looking online and, and doing some more research, that it almost looked like what they called a race of Nordic alien, which when you think about the injured cold story was a race that was supposed to be peaceful and came almost in times of need, right? This is an experience that number one, I didn't quite even know what to make of it at the time. I still don't know now. It still sounds crazy to tell people. So the fact that I told it to your entire audience at that live, uh, the live session was unnerving for me, but it opened my mind to something that I had never considered before. And that is that we're not alone here. We may not be the most intelligent race that is on this planet currently or has ever been on this planet, right? Maybe they were here before us. Maybe we're invading their space. So that really opened up this can of worms for us. And we started doing this really deep research on sightings like that. What happened to me at the bunkers? What happened to Woody Derenberger in Parkersburg? And people who claim to have these same type of EBE sightings all across the nation. And what we discovered were all of these insane similarities, the locations that they happen, the people that they happen to, the time of year in which they happened. And so from all this research, we put together a six-part series of serial spirits that we entitled I Am Cold, The Story of Indrid. We told about all of these similarities that we found. What we didn't expect was the way that all of this research affected us in our own lives. If you hear about any of these people who are EBE experiencers or UFO experiencers um, or researchers, a lot of them have these bizarre, they kind of call it high strangeness now, right? These high strangeness experiences. And the same thing started happening to us as we were doing this research. Dreams that we were having about numbers that when we were researching, they were validated in this research that we had. They were 
or actually physically meant something. Um, paranormal experiences in our own home that were almost like um, poltergeist or PK activity, things moving on their own. Shay had an ink pen thrown across the room at him one night that hit him in the back and clattered to the, the floor. Our friend Chris DeMarey, who was doing a lot of our MUFON research, had people falling in home. I mean, it was just, it's bizarre to the point that we started to think, okay, either there's a lot of validation to these experiences that people have had, or we are just insane and we're losing our minds and we have to stop researching this because the deeper we got, the more connections we found. And it was like everything was connected at every single level. I know it sounds crazy, but that's where we got with it. And so after we released the, uh, I Am Cold, the story of Indrid, we stopped at episode six. And episode six was nothing but the paranormal experiences that we had over that course of a year and a half while we did that research. And we told people at that time that if we continued to have those experiences, that we would share them because it's a story that we felt like may never end. Once you open your mind to that sort of activity, it changes the way that you look at everything. And so we thought, will it ever end? We don't know. But the story that I was going to tell you that happened most recently kind of spins off from that and reminds us that it's probably never over, that it's probably always going to be with us and we may always experience this. That's a messed up story. So let me ask you about your friend, Chris. You said he had people following him home. How often was this a thing? How, and and the, I guess the other question would be, um, how did he know someone was following him? Was he just seeing a, a rash of vehicles that he didn't know? And how did they know that he was doing research? I don't know that whoever it was knew that he was doing research. So Chris lives in South Carolina, but he's originally from New York. He was a police officer in New York. He's a real, um, you know, make no bones about it kind of guy. Once he moved to South Carolina, he got involved with MUFON research down there and he lives out in the country. And so as these vehicles, it happened a couple of occasions after he and Shay had recorded episodes about the similarities that we're, we were finding, not just in the EBE um, and UFO sightings, but in um, technology, lots of technology and natural resources and connections that we were making about sightings that people were having in areas where that was prevalent. And so it would take a lot to follow him home because of the place where he lived Right. And were vehicles that he did not know. And literally he would pull into his driveway and they would just be gone. Right. And so when it happened, he let us know. He was kind of like, I don't know that this has anything to do with any of this. But knowing what you guys are experiencing in your own, own home, this is what happened. Maybe it's related. Maybe we're all just crazy. What is, from your research, what is the connection between? Indrid Cold and Mothman. I think that 
they were all sightings of things that have probably been here way longer than us. When you talk about alternate dimensions and flap areas, a lot of these flap areas or sightings where this type of activity happened are areas that are close to water, close to natural resources that are being mined, and areas of technology that are mining these resources and coming from it. I think that whatever we are seeing is something that's been here way longer than us and maybe existing in the same time and on a different level, on a different dimension. And maybe we're crossing timelines at some point, but I think it's always been here and we're probably the invader instead of them being the invaders. Interesting. It sounds crazy. No, I mean, I'm open. I'm open to all different theories on what's going on. You know, I may not have been 10 years ago, but I've I've ran ran across so much stuff and heard so many stories in the past five, six years that uh, I've learned to be completely open to almost anything. I honestly have to say that I didn't either. You know, I've spent the better part of the last 15 years of my life being a paranormal researcher, but that was just ghost hunting, right? That was going into these old haunted locations and sitting there all night with your EVP recorders and seeing what you got. Never in my life would I have ever imagined that I would be out looking for Mothman or Bigfoot or extraterrestrial biological entities let alone believing in them and believing the stories that some of these people tell. I I would never have believed it until it happened to me. So you feel like just to, just to conclude uh, what I'm hearing, you feel like that like Mothman, for example, is an extraterrestrial as opposed to a cryptid, so to speak. Yes, I think I do. Knowing the other types of experiences that people have had in that area. So Mothman has not just been sighted in Point Pleasant. There have been a lot of much more recent sightings in Chicago. And so if you're talking about as a cryptid, what makes him go from West Virginia to Chicago to wherever else he's been seen? Chernobyl, you had the Blackbird of Chernobyl, Chernobyl. which was very similar. Chernobyl. And so you've, again, got these areas of high technology, natural resources. Um, These, you're talking about kind of the tragic experiences that occurred in Point Pleasant with the collapse of the Silver Bridge in 1967, and then uh, the explosion at Chernobyl. What combines all of those? are those natural resources and the technology behind it. Who would care enough to be there when that happens? Man sure didn't want to be there because, you know, everything around Chernobyl is still dead. If it's something that has existed, I don't even know if I want to say on another planet or on another timeline, but here, I think it's far more... um, I don't even want to say viable, but that's just the theory that I have that ties it all together. Maybe is that it's been here and may have been from somewhere else at some point. 
So are you thinking also like when people have UFO sightings per se, or um, the close encounter situations or abduction situations, do you feel like that those entities are from another planet, from outer space, or do you think that they are from another dimension or could be both? I think it could be both. I think we're very silly to think that there isn't life on other planets and other galaxies. There has to be something somewhere, right? But I also think that there could be things here that lived below the oceans or underground in the 70 plus percent of the world that we've never really been able to unearth. You talk about these um, TikTok UFOs that come out of the ocean. You know, they people have these sightings of these crafts coming out of the ocean at lightning speed and then diving back down. Who's nobody's been down there to explore it, right? Right. Government, maybe submarines, possibly. Layman, no way. So who's to say that it's not down there? I think it's a combination of both. Yeah, I think I saw something maybe even just a couple of weeks ago that said only 3% of the oceans have been, you know, investigated. Right. Think about the oceans. Think about even if you're just talking about the United States, North America, the cave systems, the mammoth cave, you know, our our buddy uh, Nathan Isaac is the host of the Penny Royal podcast. Nathan was on, I think it was the second season of Hellier, and he talked about the bizarre things that happened in the area that he lives in, in Kentucky, with all of these cave systems. It's massive. And how much of it has ever been excavated or investigated? A minute amount compared to what could still be existing down there. Are you a believer that some of these the national park situations are all kind of tied in with with some kind of a conspiracy theory. Wow. You've got the missing 411 the missing stuff. Missing 411 type stuff. I don't know. I think it's a lot more likely that in those scenarios, humans get in over their head in some of these locations and get lost and succumb to the elements. Once they succumb to the elements, then you've got, you know, natural predators that are out there that could carry a human body anywhere. Not saying that it's not possible. I'm just saying it's much more plausible in my mind that those are man-made disappearances and and fatalities. Yeah, I kind of lean a little bit towards you on that, but some some of the stories are a little little more bizarre. Uh, You know, like you know, we, we've got that story of the guy, I can't think of his name now, but it was in the seventies and he was up in the, uh, uh, the Michigan triangle area mm-hmm. and he disappeared and, and showed up like seven years later or something like that in a different state wearing clothes that he didn't know about and a backpack right. with a bunch of stuff that wasn't his. I mean, some of that stuff's just hard to explain. I remember that story and it is very hard to explain. Now, could you explain that as a person having a mental break and and leaving their lives and showing up later and maybe they claim they don't remember, maybe they remember parts of it. Maybe it's easier to say, oh, I don't know where I've been for the past seven years. Is it possible that he's actually been somewhere else? And there's a time flap that he entered and was in another dimension 
that we don't know about. I don't know who's to say Um, it's, but it's fascinating either way. And I think that's why once we started researching this, we continued researching until we just started to feel a little crazy and had to take a step back and think, is all of this really connected? It's a, a six degrees of separation of everything in the galaxy, if you want to think about it that way. Well, I mean, it's it's all fascinating. There's no doubt about that. So have you guys stopped that that uh, researching? Yes and no. Yes, in the sense that we were putting it all together at the time for the series that we released. We still read about it. We still uh, have people who approach us with stories and email us with stories about things that happen to them that are similar to us. And like I said, the story that that I was going to tell you this evening is something that happened to me well after we stopped doing all of that research. But again, kind of comes back to the forefront when you have these experiences and it also just, it it almost just kind of slips in there and says, oh, hey, I'm still here. Just wanted to remind you, this is still going on in the universe and maybe you're a part of it now because of the things that you know. Interesting. Well, I tell you, I would love to live the life of of Annie Weaves for one week just to see what it's like. I no, I don't think it. No, I'm <laughs> I'm making it far more interesting right now uh, than it normally is. It's normally just you know toddler life and and work, but occasionally we have this little crumb thrown by the universe, and uh, and makes it a little more interesting, I guess. Yeah, I could see that. So tell me, tell me about uh, Lake Shawnee. Lake Shawnee. So Lake Shawnee is a place uh, down in the southern portion of West Virginia um, that I have investigated over a course of years. Um, had the pleasure of going back there and uh, recording some stuff with the Travel Channel, and a place that. Like a lot of this, um, this high strangeness phenomena feels like that. It's very elemental feeling. There's a very strong Native American connection to that area. And I've been there a number of times. I've always been drawn back to Lake Shawnee. It's never disappointed me. Um, it, it's just really a phenomenal place. I don't know. They used to do tours and they used to do uh, overnight investigations. I'm not sure if they still do, um, but it, it's just an amazing place historically and paranormally. Yeah, obviously it was uh, an amusement park at one time. There were some deaths that took place on the site. It got shut down and was abandoned forever. Is any of that equipment still there? Do they still have like the Ferris wheel and stuff there? The Ferris wheel is there and the set of old um, iron swings Swings. is still there. Yeah. Although I'm not sure that it's the original, they did have some of that equipment brought back in afterwards. And so uh, some of the stuff still is there. And if it weren't for those two pieces of equipment, you wouldn't even know that it's there. You would drive right past it and wouldn't even know that it, it existed. Other than that, it's just the lake itself and the property. But and the burial mound. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the burial mound, the burial mound that they excavated in the 1980s when they were actually just digging a mud pit. They were going to open it up for a type of like um, 
uh, like a fairgrounds almost. And they were excavating to make a mud pit and dug into a Native American burial ground, which is why they theorize that some of the activity happens there. When you say it had an elemental feel, are you a believer in elementals? Absolutely. A million percent. And again, I feel like it's something that spiritually has been here a lot longer than we have, whether it actually physically walked this earth, or if it's just something that was revered by the people who walked the earth before us, I absolutely feel like it's here. I feel like the Native American culture taps into that so beautifully in a way that we don't experience always. Um, I don't think we open our eyes to it, but it's just a, a beautiful culture. The reverence of nature, I think, plays a lot into it. And um, I absolutely believe in it. Well, that's awesome. I, I have, I, I'm not gonna lie, I struggle when it comes to elementals. It's not so, like, you know, fairies, elemental, anything along that lines. I, I just, you know, have, I've struggled to really get behind and, and, and put more into it than just being folklore. But just like so many other things I've changed my mind on, who's to say I won't change my mind in the future on that. Right. The Fae people, I've never experienced that, so I don't really know about it. It could be an element of, of the elementals, but I definitely think that there's something behind um, what's to be found just in nature, in really just in the elements that is powerful. Awesome. Well, Annie, as usual, it's been a blast talking to you. Well, I appreciate you having me on. I can't wait for August to meet up with you guys at uh, Old Hospital on College Hill and to see what you think about that place and my neck of the woods for once. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, we were in your neck of the woods the first time we met. We were. Now, this is a little <laughs> south neck of the woods. Right. Um, so maybe a little different experience down there. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Awesome. Thanks, Annie. Tell everybody real quick how they can keep up with uh, your podcast. Absolutely. We are Serial Spirits Podcast. We are on iTunes, iHeartMedia, Stitcher, wherever you subscribe to your podcast. If you enjoy us, please leave us a review. We love to hear from you guys. And if you have stories that you want to share with us, uh, send us an email or find us on Facebook or Instagram. We always love to hear from people. Awesome. Thank you so much, Annie. And I'll be talking to you soon. Absolutely. All right, guys, that wraps it up for this week. Thank you for everything you do. And remember to go get your tickets for the Louisville show less than two weeks away. Yep. We look forward to seeing you guys. We hope you all have a blessed week.